So to set up this image of bread, first of all, we have to understand how important bread was in the ancient world. Okay, when people lived in the ancient world, there were no refrigerators, everybody. There's no fridge, there's no freezer, there's no microwave, okay? There's no oven that's hooked up to the electric or to the gas that you can simply turn on. You want to cook anything, you have to grow it or you have to find it, you have to trade for it. And then you have to actually start a fire to cook it. It was a big deal to make food. I don't think we quite understand how convenient a lot of our food is. And so for a lot of ancient people, one of the main staples, one of the main ways that they got calories in their body was bread. Because bread, you could keep a little bit of the bread left over as a starter for the next day. And then your bread could rise and then you could cook it over the fire on a flat stone or make some kind of clay griddle. But it, but it was daily. There are probably days where most people in Jesus's day only ate bread. But that's all they would have. Maybe if you live near the Sea of Galilee, you might get some fish. Or at certain seasons, you might get fruit. But a lot of days, you probably just ate bread. So imagine if that was your whole diet and you had to make it. How much of your life would be spent in the morning? You've got to get it ready. You've got to make sure that it rises. Make sure that it bakes. You've got to have it ready. In fact, bread was so essential to diet that the word for bread in Hebrew is lachem. Lachem actually is a, is a word that also just means food. Okay? Just means food. So the, the, the city of Bethlehem, Beit Lachem, is the house of bread. They didn't actually grow a lot of bread there. What they actually grew there were sheep. Okay? So really it was like the, the town of meat. But it was called the town of bread because bread is the same thing as food when most of what you eat is bread. Okay, the, 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 this it shows up even in our language today. The Latin word for bread is paner. Paner is bread. So to have bread with someone is to come paner, company, companion. To have company is to break bread with someone. And when we break bread with somebody, we don't use that phrase as much anymore. But we don't mean we just ate bread with them, right? It means we ate with them. We ate a meal with them. And in Jesus' day, it went even a step further. Because if you had broke bread with somebody, if you ate with somebody, you were accepting them. Right? Jesus got in a lot of trouble because of the people he ate with. The people he broke bread with. And because bread was so important to life, references to bread both both real bread and metaphoric bread uh, are found throughout the Bible. I can't possibly go over them all, but I want to highlight just a couple of things for you. I want to show you three times bread is used in the Old Testament. Three times Jesus talks about bread, and then we're going to come to the communion table. First thing I want to point out is the, the Passover bread in the Old Testament. If you remember your story of Moses... Moses, it comes out of Exodus 12. Israel has been in slavery for a while. God has promised to bring them out of slavery. And God has brought nine plagues upon the Egyptians. And then the tenth plague was coming. It was called the Passover. And so what was going to happen was an angel of death was going to fly through Egypt. 
And any house that had blood over the doorpost, the angel of death was going to pass over. Hence the name, pass over. Anyone who did not have the blood of the lamb over the door, that angel was going to go in and kill the firstborn son. To remember this, the Israelites were told to eat dinner, and they still to this day celebrate Passover by eating dinner. And when you eat dinner, you, you would wear your shoes, which you normally wouldn't eat with your shoes on. You'd have your cloak on, your belt on. The idea is to, to, to be ready as if you're leaving, right? To, to eat as if in the morning we're going on a trip and we are getting out of it's, it's a It's a moment of belief in the freedom that God has promised. So you, got, you, you ate dinner ready to leave in the morning. But the problem was, if you had to get up in the morning and leave, you wouldn't have enough time for your bread to rise and then bake it. So what they would do is, they they did on this day, eat unleavened bread. In other words, bread without yeast in it. Okay, so uh, we're not exactly following Passover bread here, as we've got bread machines with yeast that are rising, and it's not fluffy bread, it'd be more flat bread, almost more like a cracker. But so they would take this unleavened bread. And again, the idea was we don't have enough time for us to make bread for the yeast to rise. We have to just make flat bread that we can take with us in the morning because we are leaving. And to this day, this festival of Passover in Hebrew is called the Festival of Unleavened Bread. And, And part of the symbol then is that leaven or yeast is actually a symbol of sin. And so you got the sin out of your house before the Passover. And then during the Jewish Passover meal, it happens to this day, a piece of unleavened bread was passed around and everyone took a piece. And it's a reminder that every one of us is being saved by that lamb whose blood is going on the doorpost. And so this eating of the matzah bread, the unleavened bread, was a symbol that, oh, I am taking part in this saving action. So number one, the Passover bread. Number two is the manna. Manna comes from Exodus 16. Moses has led the people into the desert, and there they are complaining, and they are afraid about what they're going to eat in the desert. And here's God's promise to them from Isaiah 16, 4 and 5. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a portion, a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day when they prepare it, they will bring it in twice as much as they gather daily. So God says, here's how I'm going to feed you. Bread is going to rain down from heaven. And every morning you're going to go out and you're going to gather it up for the day. Not for the next day, just for today. Except for one day a week on Friday. On Friday you're going to gather enough so that you have it on Saturday because you're not allowed to work. You're not allowed to pick up your bread. So... A couple verses later, verse 13, God gives them quail to eat. He gives them this bread. And here is the story of them finding it. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of a wilderness, a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. So they wake up, the dew rises, the dew leaves, and then there's like this flaky stuff on the ground. 
Okay, and that is the bread. So they could make that into bread, they could make that into cakes, but that was their nourishment. And they actually say, what is it? And the word for, the, the, in Hebrew, the word, what is it? The question, what is it, is the word manna. Okay, manna is actually the question, what is it? So they go out on the ground, they're like, what is it? And they're like, yeah, let's call it that. We'll call it, what is it? So every morning you would get up and you would gather your, what is it? But not for the next day, not for the week. You couldn't store it up. If you stored it up, it would go bad. It was just daily bread. It was just enough that you had it for the day. Except for Friday. The only day that it would stay good the next day was Friday because Saturday was Sabbath and you weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath. Number three is the showbread. This one, you may have heard of manna. You may have heard of the unleavened bread. The showbread, this may be a little less familiar to you. But the, the idea of the showbread was that in the tabernacle and then later in the temple, there were these sort of three areas. Okay, there was where everybody was, and then there was the holy area that was sort of separated off. And then there was the holy of holies. That was the most precious place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And in that area, in the holy place, was kept a number of loaves of bread. Twelve loaves of bread kept on a table. And the idea was that they were a reminder to God to remember Israel. And they were a reminder to Israel that Israel is always keeping God in, uh, that God is always with them. Leviticus 24 says, You shall take fine flour and bake twelve loaves from it, two-tenths of an ephah, shall be in each loaf. Every Sabbath day, Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It is from the people of Israel as a covenant forever. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons. He shall eat it in the holy place, since it is for him a most holy portion of God's food offering, a perpetual due. So here's what would happen. Aaron, the high priest, would go into the tabernacle and he would arrange 12 loaves on a table to be a reminder that God is with the people and the people are with God. And then on the next Sabbath, Aaron and his priests would go in and eat that bread and put new bread on. So every week there was fresh bread before the Lord. These images from the Old Testament loom large then as we go to the thinking of Jesus. Because there are a number of times where Jesus makes use of the bread image. Let's look at three particular ones. First, man shall not live by bread alone. After Jesus was baptized, he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days to fast. Imagine if you didn't eat for 40 days. You get a little hungry? I get hungry if I miss a meal. You know what I mean? 40 days, Jesus has been weak and he, he's struggling. And then Satan comes to him and tempts him. And here's what Satan says. If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. See, if you're that, if you're that hungry, I bet you a lot of stones look like bread, right? A lot of stuff like, man, that stone looks like pizza. Look at that. Right? You're everywhere you see it. And, and, and Satan's saying, go ahead. Why are you fasting? What are you preparing for? How does God respond? He quotes from Deuteronomy 8.3. And he humbled you and let you hunger and be fed with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might 
make you known that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Okay, so Jesus is quoting then Deuteronomy to Satan and saying, hey, you know, bread's not everything. Food's not everything. Man does not live by bread alone. It's not just my appetites for physical things in this world that are important. I have spiritual needs that are much, much deeper. And so what Jesus is saying is that, yeah, I'm hungry, but what I'm doing spiritually is actually more important Number two, daily bread. I don't have to read this passage because we already prayed it. Right? When Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, what does he say? Give us this day our daily bread. Okay? Now, as soon as you hear daily bread, you should remember how people had to make bread every day. But also, in your mind, think about the manna that didn't last to the next day. When you pray all the time, give me, give me Lord, my daily bread you're not saying like, Lord, give me a truckload of bread. Okay, don't give me a like, you're not saying, Lord, I need a whole factory full of bread. What you're saying is, Lord, give me what I need today. Just take care of my needs today. Hey, okay? we, we have problems when we start stockpiling bread. When we think we've got to take care of ourselves until we get all this stuff. Jesus is much more focused on daily bread. Number three, in John 6, a huge crowd gathers around Jesus. Thousands of people, and they were hungry for the words of Jesus, but the longer they sat there, the more they got hungry for actual food. And so Jesus turns to his disciples and said, hey, you guys should feed them. And they start looking around like, wait, one, two, three, four. Like, we don't have enough money to buy food for this whole crowd, Lord. You need to send them away. What does Jesus do? Well, he takes some kid's lunch, five loaves, two fish, and he multiplies them so that, he, so that all the bread goes everywhere. And everybody eats their full. And if you remember the story, that's a little test here. They gather up the extra bread, and it's how many baskets? Twelve. Twelve, Twelve extra baskets. And if, if that doesn't clue you back to the show bread, it really should. Twelve Pieces of 12. See, this is, this is this next level of the showbread where God is very aware of the needs of the people, the people that go beyond Israel. What a cool miracle. So the crowd starts to get bigger. They start to make him, they want to make him king, and he bails. He leaves. He goes around the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Actually, he comes walking on the water in John. And then when he gets to the other side, after he catches up with his disciples, the crowd gathers around him again, and they want food. Let me, let me read to you some of John 6. Uh, I'm starting in about verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? And he said, truly I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of God will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Let me skip ahead. Then what sign do you do, they said, that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, it was not Moses that gave you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. 
For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. And they said to him, give us this bread always. So here's the exchange, right? They're like, oh, you're going to give us bread. You're like the new Moses. You're like the new Moses. Give us this bread. I don't want to to have to make it anymore. I don't have to gather it anymore. Just give me the bread. That'd be fantastic. But Jesus says, you're not getting it. And then verse 35, he said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So here's what Jesus says. You want me to be Moses? I'm not Moses. I'm the bread. I came from heaven. Now this is really hard for the crowd to hear because if you're the bread of heaven that we have to eat you, that's kind of the question they ask. Like, do we, like how are we going to eat you? What is going to happen here? That's like a weird thing to say. But Jesus is saying, I'm the one that's coming to fill the needs that you have. It's not bread. You don't need me to give you food. You need me for something much bigger than that. I am the bread of life. And they don't get the metaphor. It's not about bread alone. Same way, they all need to eat. They all need something spiritual. Jesus said, I'm the thing that you're looking for. I'm the bread you should be seeking. So much so that all of the searching you do in your life, that all these other things won't fill, I will feel fill. He who comes to me will never hunger again. Now, there are other references to bread. Other references to eating together in the life of Jesus. We aren't going to go into all of them. But of course, we have to do the last one, which is communion. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. Unleavened bread for the Passover. And he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. So so this this is bread without sin. Without leaven, he's saying, this is my body, so I have no sin. And it's being broken. Proclaiming that he's going to die on the cross tomorrow. And then, just like the Passover, he and the disciples all ate of the bread. As a reminder that they are all being saved by this lamb that was slain. So now, everybody, as we're heading towards the communion table, start to let all these metaphors I've just been swirling around for you start to think about the meaning of this table. That this is not about just bread alone, but this bread is about Jesus who was broken. He's the Passover bread. And he was broken. He was actually crucified. His body was broken in so many ways for us. And eating the bread, just like Passover, shows that we are part of the saving work of this dying lamb. The unleavened bread shows Jesus to be without sin. He's the new manna sent from heaven to sustain this world and to answer all these hungers and longings that we have within us. He's the bread of life and he comes to offer life for all who would come to him. And if you come to him, all these hungers that you have, I don't just mean physical hungers. I mean the drive to be successful or the drive to be loved or the drive to be important. All these drives you have, all these hungers that you have can be satisfied in what he has done for you and what he calls you to do for him. 
He's the daily answer to our needs. And remember that to eat with someone is to accept them. I mean, when Jesus broke bread, Judas is sitting there who betrayed him. Peter is sitting there who denied him. All the rest of the disciples are about to abandon him in his, in his worst hour. And yet he broke bread with them. And he breaks bread with you today. So whatever you've done, whatever you have failed to do, you are now a companion of Christ and a companion with us in this journey. Whatever else has gone on, you're in. And he's now the showbread. He's now the showbread. So this, Paul says, shows forth the Lord's death till he comes again. And so just the way the bread in the tabernacle, in the temple, showed us, showed Israel how they were always with God and God was always with them. This table and this bread shows that Christ is always with us and for us. And we are always on his Minds. A little pun here, but a lot baked into this metaphor, isn't there? There's a lot in there. There's a lot to this idea of bread. And so as we prepare our hearts for the table, as we smell the bread baking, may these images capture us to the amazing moment of the sacraments. Let's sing together. As we prepare for communion, let us break bread together on our knees. You can remain seated.